The Celestial Herald is a murder mystery that takes place in the fictional town of Absolution, Wyoming. The following is a podcast dedicated to relaying the stories within. Enjoy! The streets were dampened by the snow falling heavy. It blinded him like an ivory curtain, each step resulting in a mushy, slippery, slushy slide that did not aid him as he ran. In his mind, he could hear the voice that made his pulse quicken and his body numb with fear. It trailed behind him, following him, hunting him. Julian. Oh, Julian. Where are thou, Julian? It asked in a sing-song voice that was neither cheery nor bright like it had once been. Back when they were lovers, back before he was a monster, Julian ran as fast as his short legs would carry him. He was not the athletic type. He never had been, never would be. As he rounded the corner to his well-protected loft, he reached inside his heavy peacoat and found his keys. Sliding through the card through his door in a panicked fumble, he nearly tore the door off its hinges. Julian. 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 You know that I will find you. Julian. You know I will punish you. He didn't linger in the hall, didn't stop to say hi to Mrs. McDormand or Mr. Stepp didn't wait for the elevator. Instead, he ran up two flights and slid the key in the lock. He slammed the door shut, took the chalk from beside the door, and drew the sigil for protection on the door. It was only after he lined the door with Himalayan paint salt that he took a second to breathe, for the first time in nearly 20 minutes. He hadn't even stopped to think about how that man could still be alive. He'd been dead for at least 50 years now. His disembodied voice floating above the din of the crowded New York subway would keep Julian up for at least the next two nights. He was dead, wasn't he? Better just to call Vincent and be sure. He thought of... He thought of hearing Vincent's voice for the first time in at least 10 years, and it soothed him. He hadn't seen Vincent in nearly as long. In the oldest address book by this ancient dust-entombed landline was the number for the old boy's shop. Better be safe than sorry, he thought. As he picked up the phone, the receiver, the number dialed itself. He waited, the line rung once, twice, And by the third time, Julian had fallen to the floor, dead. An article was published under the Celestial Herald section of the Absolution Post last week. And it read, The asphalt track that had led 
to Absolution, Wyoming, a crisis of concrete and asphalt smattered together and half-reclaimed by nature was as uninviting as it was remote. Special Agent Terrence Brinkley got the distinct hair-raising feeling that the remoteness was forebodingly intentional. He didn't know how the idea popped into his mind or why it bothered him, but it did. They'd gotten up at 3 a.m. just to be here, and they'd gotten here two hours ago. So he'd been awake for about eight hours already, and they still had another hour and a half until they reached their suspect's home. Terrence was trying not to lose his mind. He stared out of the passenger side window of their rental SUV. You grew up here, right? He asked after a few minutes of near-perfect silence. His partner, McKenna Snadriel, was not much of a talker. She sat behind him, staring out the window. He'd worked with her for a year now, and though she seemed very eager to take up the position as a special agent in the Federal Bureau of Investigation, she also seemed very disinterested in making friends. She could be described as stoic. Yes, stoic was a polite word for it. Her silence, Terence theorized, is why he always felt a niggling distrust towards her. Perhaps, if she were a girl at a bar, he'd be more comfortable speaking with her. She seemed the type to go to a bar to actually drink. Actually, come to think of it, she'd never go to a bar. She was too stern and too uptight for the occasion. She held her thin yet muscular frame with an air of superiority that was spelled out by the blank yet pressy expression on her face. Her face, which was getting even redder in the morning, mid-morning sun. She kept her golden hair wound into a tight bun low on her head and in the center of her delicate shoulders. Being the same height, he often wondered how it was possible for her to look down her nose at him with those cold, unfeeling brown eyes. He couldn't recall ever having seen her show any emotion that wasn't anger or cold disdain. Yeah, was all she volunteered, and Terrence did all that he could not to lose his temper. It was just his luck. On his way to some shitty little hillbilly town to investigate a dithering old septuagenarian who hardly seemed capable of murder. Never mind the countless murders that could all be tied back to this one singular old man, one Vincent Green. Terence could and would recite all that he knew about this man from the file from first page to last and it probably would still make a better conversation than any of his companions cared to provide. Beside him, Special Advisory Agent Sang Cheong sat still as stone despite the blazing heat of the early summer day. Though Terence was visibly drenched in sweat, Sang still looked like some tall Asian supermodel with his toned physique and his clearly tailored suit. He was a stark contrast to Terence with his department store suit and beat-up canvas sneakers. Terence could hardly believe that he and Sang were both 34. They'd been waiting nearly an hour for the fourth agent assigned to this wild goose chase, Reese Townsend. As their supervisor, Terence had assumed that he'd be a bit more responsible, but he wasn't. 
So for at least the 30th time, Terrence reviewed what he knew about the town while they all waited for their boss. Absolution, Wyoming was founded in 1876 during the westward expansion, but the whole town disappeared in 1889, only to be resettled by ex-railroad workers in 1890. The town is 13 miles south of the Devil's Tower. There is a state park called Fuller's Patch by the locals that is completely populated by bison. It surrounds most of the town. The town center is three miles wide and has an additional two miles of sparsely populated homes. With a population of roughly 400 people, it was tiny. Terrence wondered how it could really be difficult to hunt down their suspect in such a tiny town. He wondered how these grisly nationwide murders and this virtually ancient suspect were related, and if he could really hide in plain sight in that speck on the map. The main street only had eight buildings, and one of them was Town Hall. Across the street, you could find the sheriff's office. There were only a few major fixtures of absolution. Lucy's Diner, a gun range, the dog park, and the Celestial Vault bookstore. There were other places to eat, but Lucy's Diner had been open since 1920. It was where their suspect has been rumored to eat most of his meals. A gun range was literally the town's only registered firearms depot, which Terrence had spent a long time wondering if it was named, ironically so. There was supposedly a dog park, though Terrence had a really hard time finding it on the map. In fact, he hadn't yet found it on the map. Finally, there was the Celestial Vault bookstore, which was owned by their suspect, Vincent Green. Terrence had spent the entire evening looking at their website back at the hotel in Casper. It was a three-story building that was technically at the corner of Green Avenue and Main Street. It was constructed to look like the Flatiron Building in New York City, but it had this god-awful water tower strapped to the top. It was not the grandest of buildings in town. The town hall had it beat by far, but it was certainly the oddest one in comparison. It had so many huge windows that let in the sun, but they were all different shapes and sizes. It was stacked from floor to ceiling with books inside. From the picture of the lobby, Terrence could see an elaborately tiled emerald green floor and a great big desk near a large ornate staircase. It looked a lot more like a weird library than it did a bookstore. And Terrence's inner nerd was excited. Bookstores were, after all, are a dying breed. He'd already decided that whoever kept a bookstore open in these times could not be a bad person. Could they? His thoughts were interrupted as another black SUV approached down the one-way highway. They'd been parked on the shoulder just before the turn to absolution, and with the flatness of the land, it was easy to see oncoming traffic. Not that there was any oncoming traffic. Terrence sat straight up as he watched his boss pull up beside them with his window rolled down. 
Their windows have been down since they shut off the vehicle two hours ago. Cheong had wanted to conserve gas. Still alive, I see, Terry. If he'd meant it as a joke, his stern demeanor had killed the joke before it left his lips. Yes, sir, Terry smirked. Excellent. Let's keep it that way. You're with me. Hi there. Thank you for listening to my podcast. My name is Benjamin Crowley, and currently I am the sole writer, producer, and voice actor of the Celestial Herald. If you enjoyed my work and would love to hear more, please subscribe. And thank you.